Good morning. First of all, thank you for all the help that you've all of you have given us to keep this uh, monastery, this mandala, this center of sanity. And again, asking for more help. Your continued support will keep us going. This is not, this is run somewhat like a business or a corporation. We would have to do that. And it is a, a 501c3 not-for-profit, of course. This morning's Dharma talk is titled, Thoughts, Cloud Perception. Thoughts. We don't want to get rid of thoughts, although some teachers talk about stopping the thoughts. Or, and my, my teacher, uh, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, all even talked about putting a stop to thoughts. It's not so much putting a stop to thoughts, it's just that when thoughts are not uh, used and abused, then they tend to soften up and we just perceive what is in front of us, color, shape, smells, taste, touch feeling, and even thoughts. There are lots of different kinds of thoughts. They are the thoughts, sometimes the thoughts of propaganda, of the ego, that is trying to control you, this situation, come to conclusions, even using lies, mostly lies. All thoughts are lies. They're, they have an accuracy to them, but they're fundamentally untrue. Their thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure you noticed, probably. So sitting practice of meditation and the practice of the Buddha's Dharma, the Dharma of the Tathagata, the awakened one, what did he awaken to? <coughs> this. And all he saw was himself. All he saw was the Buddha everywhere. Nothing was separate. That's just a word for this. Awake, awake. Buddha means awake. Nothing has ever slept. Physical bodies relatively go to sleep, of course, but we're not talking about that particularly. So thoughts cloud awareness or perception. We're perceiving something, but the thought comes in and puts some kind of an overlay, a scrim, or a barrier to what is actually there, what the actuality of what is there. And it does that because of fear or possibly because of hope, hope for something better. This won't work. I need something better than that. So we project ideas, conceptions, preconceptions, judgments, and conclusions on top of everything. We are that terrified of our life. If you're really terrified of your life and you're covering it up, you won't know you're terrified because those cover-ups work relatively. They work your conclusions, your ideas, your opinions, and especially your beliefs. If you have a really, really strong belief about something, it can cover up your whole life. You'll miss your whole damn life believing in something. Don't believe in anything. Don't disbelieve in anything, and don't ignore anything. Think you can do that? Maybe. But I don't feel, and I'm just this person, don't feel you can do that without fundamental fundamentally training your mind. You don't have to believe in Buddhism. I don't believe in Buddhism. If I believed in Buddhism, I couldn't do this. I couldn't teach this. Buddha didn't believe in anything. <clears throat> it needs to be done with the awareness. So that if you're doing it with the awareness, then instead of the thoughts coming up and clouding it based on fear, I don't want to look at that. Oh, this is kind of working. I'm not, I'm not looking at it. So I'm feeling pretty good now. 
as what is right in front of you is just around the other side of your concepts, your ideas, your thoughts. But if you have prioritized so that your awareness leads, your awareness leads your life, you're receiving, 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 receiving colors, smells, tastes, touch, thoughts even. Everything is received, received, received. Don't produce anything unless you have to. And you may have to if it's time to eat. Then you produce, I'm going to the kitchen, I'm going to make a grilled cheese. You wouldn't do that, would you? You'd probably make a ham and cheese. So you're going to need to produce, but the production should be based on what is showing up in front of you rather than a bunch of concepts, ideas, beliefs, opinions, and prejudice about what all this is. What a miserable life those people who are are leading, who are constantly fueling and refueling, just completely stupid, ridiculous ideas about the nature of the world, the nature of reality. Whole, there are millions of people doing this. This is very rare, not because I'm such a fantastic dude. I'm nobody. I mean, I'm somebody in that I'm here and I'm talking about something. But the fundamental situation here is not uh, uh, an an identity. The identity is very, very situational. And so is yours. You just don't know it. Does that make me somehow superior or more somebody? No, it doesn't. A lot of room there. You can ask questions about that later as soon as I come to a, what do you call that? What do you come to? Does anything come to an end? Is there anything that does not come to an end? Find out. Find out. Because most everything you look at at some point stops because it has appeared. Anything that appears is going down. It's going to end, and it may not be for a thousand years if it's a mountains or granite. And even that will probably continue to move along. Necessary to see this fundamentally. Sitting practice of meditation, shikantaza, which is Japanese for just precisely this. Sit down, hold still. Look at the wall. Look at your refrigerator. Look at your closet door. Just receive. Train your mind to receive. You don't have to join some kind of a, you don't have to join Buddhism. You don't have to formally become a Buddhist, a Buddhist You may need that kind of help, and you may not. I'm not here to market that. If you come and ask me to, to, you want to be a monk, you might find it. that I don't give that away just because I need a bunch of followers. I don't have any followers. I'm not going anywhere. Pretty hard to follow me. Sit down, hold still. Train the mind to see clearly, coming back to the title. The topic of the talk is uh, thoughts cloud a perception so you don't you have a, a contaminated perception which is like saying a preconception or a judgment or looking at the world through your prejudice through a scrim of your beliefs your opinions your ideas which relatively could be in some cases could be true white people are evil that kind of thing only persons oh wait now we have two people smiling three four five six 
Wulong bowing. Wulong, did I call on you? No, but I I noticed that Sanho has his hand raised in the Sanho on the Zoom box. Has his hand raised, and you're watching out for Sanho. Okay, Sanho, go for it. I find that comical, Sanho bowing, <laughs> and I wonder when we have to produce, how do we do that with awareness, Sanho bowing? It, it will happen. Very good question. It will happen of its own. If you're if you're totally unreceived, if you're just receiving everything, whatever's happening, just receive it. And also, if you're receiving something and that has a, a distasteful quality to it, then you'll uh, then also what will arise is thoughts about the distastefulness, which can be if it's turned around this direction, it's actually an opinion on it that will stop you from receiving that, or at least will filter out aspects of it you don't like. But if you just receive and you're, you've, you've trained your mind to just receive what is happening in this world, just receive it. Don't object. Don't agree. Don't look away. Don't object to it. Don't agree with it. And don't blind yourself. No pun intended there, Sano. Uh, and don't, don't shut down. Don't, don't turn away. Don't, don't ignore anything. Just receive. And that way, whatever you're receiving, everything gets on board with that. All the, of your ill-considered thoughts and ideas and judgments and opinions and prejudice about whatever you're receiving, actually, it turns right around in its tracks, and it gets received by you also. Because Why? Because you're no longer an individual. You might appear that way to everybody might think you're in, you know, way overboard being some kind of superpower or something, or not. They may ignore you. It doesn't matter. You don't care what they think because there's no you to care. There is caring, but it's not coming from an individu individual anymore. What is it that cares? What is compassion? You find out. I'm not going to explain it to you. So everything comes back around. If the, if the intention is to has been strengthened, where you're receiving, you're receiving, you're receiving, after years and years of doing this, eventually, you could say, there's a kind of a turning around, sometimes classically called a turning around at the basis of the eighth consciousness. That there's something that just turns around. It's no longer producing anything. There's things there, and things get produced, but there's no one producing. It is not tied into a person anymore. So therefore, you are, if there is a you, are liberated. And was anything liberated? No, because there wasn't anyone. That's liberation. Never was a you. <laughs> Cosmic joke. More, Sanho? When the world demands a relative and straightforward answer, but there is no truthful, straightforward answer, what do we do, Sanho Bowing? Well, in your case, you're an attorney, so you might be uh, constricted by the laws. And I would just say, go do uh, do your relative thing as much as you can. But when it, can, it comes to any kind of ultimacy, uh, then you have to look closer. Then it's less is better. Don't say anything. But if you're in a court of law and you're functioning as an attorney, then uh, just, just function in that form. Don't particularly second guess yourself about anything if I'm getting close to what you're looking for. Apparently I am. Go ahead. 
can you carry out your function in normal society and still be on receipt rather than produce? Yes, you can, and you can do it. You can do it more accurately, more genuinely, more authentically. You need more words like that. You need more. More. You just. It's just the truth. You're no longer objecting, agreeing. Don't object. Reflect on that. Is that how do we do that? Don't object to anything. Don't agree with anything, and don't shut down anything. You can't actually do that. You have to. You have to transform yourself to use words I don't often use, but I'm going to use them in this case by sitting down, holding still, and seeing there's no solid being here. It doesn't mean that it won't look like it to to your spouse or your mom or dad. You may look more solidified because you're determined to do this and this and this. So they may project onto you more. But you, yes, you can do. It's easier to do it. Because you're no longer, there are no longer conflicting emotions about the nature of reality, to say it in a classical sense. You are no longer conflicted. And that's because you're consciousness only. You're not a self who's living in consciousness. You're not a person who's going around who manipulates consciousness or manipulates things to get their way to protect themselves from harm or to get a better um, position on any given thing. You no longer are particularly interested in getting anything. There's no demand on anything anymore. That's gone. And you don't have to get rid of it. You don't have to get rid of thoughts. What I was going to say earlier was, if you prioritize, if you can manage to prioritize the awareness, the leading edge of your life, which doesn't know what's in front of you, thoughts know, the thoughts know what's in front of you because they name and analyze, categorize, and conflict and buy into the conflicting emotions, which one's right, which one's true. Neither are true, neither are false, and neither should be ignored. So therefore, you are living through what you're aware of, your awareness, and your thoughts uh, follow. It's like having, instead of your thoughts are in the driver's seat, to use that metaphor, they're in the back seat. They get to put a few, their two cents worth in, but they don't get to drive the vehicle. They don't get to run. Awareness does it. And what does awareness do it with? By being very aware of whatever is there. The whole terrain is seen clearly, minus the debris of your preconceptions. You're not driving through a garbage pit, you're driving through a, uh, at the risk of being uh, romantic, you're driving, you're driving through a heaven realm, but it's not one that is grasped or hung on to. It's you just actually see reality yourself. No one's directing you anymore. More? Shoto Bowing, when you're seeing reality for yourself, what is it that you're seeing? <laughs> you want the ultimate or the relative one? Both. No, which one? <laughs> You're smart with me. Ultimate. Ultimate? Yeah. You don't see anything. You're literally, literally. Don't believe me. Don't believe me because if you believe that, then it's then you're believing your idea of not seeing anything. Don't like emptiness, the empty, the relative emptiness. Oh, there's nothing there. Not exactly that, but there aren't any other words that will say it other than you don't see anything. What are we doing that looks like seeing something? Grasping, rejecting, shutting down, valuing this and devaluing that. It's called prejudice. Or the fancier word for it, it's probably more accurate, is stupidity. You're smiling. Does that mean you know something about that? (laughs) Speak. I've, I've been told that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that you're stupid? 
something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was told that regularly, almost daily when I was a child. So he gave me something to work with. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Did you have a question? I do. Um, I guess I'm having a hard time formulating the question around it. But Sorry. if we're interested in clarity, um, how how are you understanding interconnectedness? Okay, let me go to the clarity first. Clarity is not about clarity. You won't feel clear. Clarity is about confusion. The clarity is about the confusion. The Buddha did not awaken to clarity. The Buddha awoke, awoke to suffering, the suffering of the world. And that was what he was clear about. There's that part. Then the interconnectedness is, uh, I don't use that term. I say not separate. Uh, things have to be separate in order to connect. And things are, if things are fundamentally not separate, then there's nothing to connect. It's called the great perfection. Everything is already realized. You're already not separate from regard. I'm not talking about the religion of Buddhism. That's the path quality. But the, the fruition of it or the culmination of it the end of that path is uh, not separate. You are not separate from anything you look at. You're always looking at yourself in some form, in different forms. Any further questions here? <clears throat> further questions on Zoom? Kelly. Um, in writing the grant, I see myself using a lot of words to basically say that we just want to be available mm -hmm. to the community. Um, and who's the grant going to? Battle Creek Community okay. Foundation. Okay. And I wonder if that will be enough um, for them to accept our proposal. Can you characterize a proposal in a couple of words or sentences? No, they want they want a lot of detail. They want a lot yeah. of relative detail, and they want a lot of um, right. so. Is this outcomes? A, are you allowed to apply, and then they come back and ask questions, and you can respond? Oh, I sure hope so. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't hope too much. Hope doesn't really work very well. You know what the other that's, one? That's that's my question. Fear is the other one. Yeah. Hope, fear, those two. They lock, they lock horns and they they'll lead the way. Keep it very simple. Look up, look at what you want to do. We all know. I know what you want to do, and I don't need, I don't need to explain to me. All I have to do is talk to you for fifteen minutes. I know, but you you can't really um, you can't really control the outcome of that. And I would say it's best to present it present it as clear as you can from your you're the one who's going to be running this as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to help you. The community is going to help you. And we'll try to create, create some kind of support for young people if you're talking about uh, Groot House and the, that, whole, that whole thing, Karma House, everything all together. Just present it as clearly as you can. And uh, I don't think you have to do anything more than that. And then if, if you don't get the grant, then we'll come back and present again. Uh, pers consistent, persistent, persistent, consistent, persistent. Communicate, communicate. So I, I think if there is some kind of asking you, that might be that back and forth quality creates uh, 
it's just it's like building a road you, you've actually maybe nothing has been transported on the road but you have a strong road there because you've been communicating with the person how do you feel about this can i ask you more about that those sound like kind of empty but they're not oh no sound hub sound hub go ahead it feels odd to jump in, but I'm going to do it because now I don't know what to do instead. Sanho bowing. I wonder, I have the urge to just receive and to listen closely. And of course, people need me to give them advice. Yes. Can you say anything about that? Sanho bowing. Yes. If you're listening really closely and you're receiving everything, the color of the clothes, the person's wearing, which you won't know because you don't have uh, the kind of vision we do, but the kind of vision you have is much, much deeper than that. It's not a compliment. That all of your senses are, are, you could say it this way, and it has been said this way long before I said it, are kind of compensating uh, for the lack of that particular sense. You're able to smell better. Your, your hearing is amazing. I've listened to you just work with your phone and how you, how you understand what's happening on that phone, I don't know because everything is, seems to be speeded up. So I would say, and I don't use this word often, but I would say just trust trust your intuition about it. You'll, you'll know. Uh, the other thing I will say is less is better. Don't, don't say anything else you have to. And if you wait, and it's another form of patience, just wait, listen. Nothing's going to come apart. Or if it does, it's probably supposed to. Wait for a while. And I sometimes say, depends on the situation, uh, make them drag it out of you. And I don't mean drag, but I'm saying have them come and help you with it. Have them, well, how, what, you haven't commented on this, uh, Sanho. You're, you're, they're calling you Sanho. That's your legal name at this point, isn't it? Correct. Yes. Yeah, so, so have them pull at you, get, get, get their help. One of the ways you can do that is ask more questions. Say, say, could you say more about this part of it? Say, say a little bit more. And even though you know you're very clear about what you're asking about, but what you're emphasizing is the communication part of it, not the content of the communication. Content of the communication is, I'm not saying it's useless, but it's, it's, not, not, it's not the fundamental situation. Like um, It's difficult to talk about because we really need the content, but the primary thing is, the, is that, that receiving. So, and you can't receive unless there's something flowing your way. And there may not be something you're flowing, flowing your way your way if you're if you if you have settled with what they just said what they just asked you they say so what so what should i do about this particular situation or this lawsuit or this uh, commentary from this person or this person you would say so what what were their uh, when they presented this to you was this in writing or was this so go into do a lot more exploration that emphasizes the give and take of the of the situation so that gets stronger so when you finally do come through and say don't do that. Don't sign that. You can say it with the authority uh, that needs to happen in, in the particular uh, uh, life path as an attorney. Uh, this is that's a difficult one, uh, but it'll be uh, a lot more workable if you concentrate on what I call CCC: communicate, 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 or communicate, cooperate, collaborate. And if you do that, then you have a community. More, young man? Not right this moment, but thank you. Very good. Thank you. Mondo. 
What about, you said earlier, identity is situational. What do you mean by that, Boeing? Just means that who you are is always changing with everything. You, know, you notice if you're if it's your mom, you have a certain kind of identity with your mom. But if it's uh, if it's your one of your homies, you know they don't care who you are. They love you no matter how you act. You can say stupid, crazy things, and they say, "Do you really want you going to do that?" Say, yes, I am. And then you know, they, but they they love you anyway. So you don't have to show up as a. Whereas with your mom, you better show up a certain way. Mom's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's situational. That is it. Does that answer your question or get close to it? Well, then I was thinking, what is um, fundamentally our identity? Is that situational? Yes, yes. Fundamentally, your identity is like if I'm uh, in the other, if I'm in the hojo, I'm in the other room, in the kitchen, or in the bathroom. There's that identity, whatever that is. It's relative. It's relative to everything. It's, you're just a person sitting at a table. You're not even a person. It's just, there's just this. There's just this. There's no identity there. But as soon as I sit on this time, I'm a Dharma teacher. But when I leave this, I'm not, I'm not teaching anything unless you ask me a question or unless uh, Chazan asks, uh, sit down and ask, he asks me a question. Then I can respond. Other than that, I just uh, listen to whatever my son uh, plays on the violin. Just receive. You can just receive all your whole life can be about receiving. With some people, you produce very little. People don't ask me questions. I don't say too much. But if they ask me questions, if they're Dharma questions, I'm a Dharma teacher. But if they ask me about what I want for dinner, I'm probably going to say steak. <laughs> Simple. Somebody asked me, well, I, I could go on and on like that, but I'm saying you get your, your identity from everything. And if I, have, if I have no students, then I, I, I can't teach. And I certainly won't round anybody up. I have no advertisements, no promises. I didn't get any from either one of my teachers. Uh, you can say I even got the opposite from both of them. Um, I'm just curious about the, the formulation of names through identity or the other vice versa. Oh, you mean Dharma names? Or I could give someone a name. Oh, something yes. else? Oh, just names in general. Names like of casual, like yeah. the identity, the self. I'm not, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, <laughs> but I'm really slow. I'm, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm, I'm not formulating it very well. Well, but, well <laughs> what is it you want? Let's put it this way. What do you want to know? What, what is it that's bringing up the question? And then we can just go back to what you want to know. I can respond to that. Um, I think I'm, I'm thinking about names like what we just maybe what other people perceive like to be our name versus how we might feel about our name. Hmm. Some of us change our names. For instance, right now, Robin is my middle name, but my first name is Emily. Hmm. So just. I, I think it just has to do with our with our self image, so, so to speak. Uh, like that's why we have uh, we uh, if I ordain someone or give them lay precepts or full precepts as a monk, uh, then um, then I would give them a name of lay precepts, and I would I, I may uh, I don't know if this is going in the direction you're interested in, but I can tell you a little bit about how I relate to that. Is I see in the person something about their nature. I see may see something about their their enlightened nature. Or I may see something about the area where they really need to work in. And it's really hard to say 
where it comes from, but it, it comes from somewhere else. I feel like it's downloaded. It's, I don't know how else to say it because I, if the name doesn't show up, I can't make it. I can't kind of figure out a name. I don't figure out names. They just show up. Like Ondo's name is a, she's a fully ordained monk. Her name uh, showed up to me just like it just showed up. Is uh, Ondo means in uh, Japanese means path of grace. So someone else has um, a name that's totally different from that, but has to do with that quality. So is that helpful? So Emily and what was the other? Robin. Robin. So kind of how you feel about the names. I remember when I was uh, like in the fourth grade, uh, my my stepfather got pulled back into the Air Force, so we had to move to Florida. I went to Tampa and lived there for one year when I'm like, what, nine? And I remember this is my chance to change my name. So I was really into names from being very young. And, uh, and it sounds like you are too a little bit. So um, I, I was always called Bobby. My name is Robert. I was called Bobby. And this is a chance to use my Robert. And they said, what is your name? And I said, Robert. And I was kind of embarrassed doing that because I knew my name was Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could fool them. <laughs> I, I just wanted to be some, somehow I had some kind of understanding that I could hear my, when somebody talked to me with a different name. So you might have a little bit of that. Uh, you know, I don't know. And also my middle name is Leroy. But, and I thought of just, just using that name. I've never been able to use the word Leroy because of the junkyard dog. Heard about that, right? Bad, bad Leroy Brown. Yeah. She is on bowing. Could you say something about how you often will encourage us to maybe stop calling something by a name, like stop calling it depression, and how that relates to how we relate to our ideas, bowing? Yes. So sometimes when people are having a difficult time with a particular thing, I say just stop calling it that. And maybe call it strawberries. Maybe something that doesn't just doesn't fit, so that you're you're kind of forcing that, and that that may give you some may help you see how the depression is something that you're you're reifying or establishing by continually calling it depression. Tip the rest, there I, there I go again. Oh, when is this ever going to leave? And that actually that actually perpetuates the whole thing. You can't really get rid of depression. You can't really get rid of it. I mean, you can get it to go away. You can might be able to use drugs or something. But the fundamental nature of anything that arises is that it's dependent on everything else and it's on, you can't find it. But if you change the name of it, then the leading edge of that, the difficulty of that uh, gets modified a little bit so you don't take it quite so personally. You kind of depersonalize that. So it's the personalization of, say, anger. I'm angry. They can't do that. I'm not going to let them. They can't get away with that. The next time they do that, I'm going to I don't know, do something drastic. So uh, we, we we can go in and call it something else. And so when it shows up again, because we named it uh, three days ago and it shows up again, it might be a little bit of humor in it. You know, we might have a little bit more space in that because uh, the, the aspect of consciousness that shows up as concepts that blur that whole area uh, we're not a, a name is a concept uh, or description so you know, is that helpful I can't remember what your question was now <laughs> do you oh I think someone online I think it was someone online about the then well <laughs> um, 
Get some help. Go ahead. A question from Terry Duperin. What does seeing nothing mean in the absolute? Can't be described. But I, I will I will go ahead and describe it. It's just what we're looking at right you're looking at it right now. I'm looking at it right now. You're looking at it. I may recognize it or not. You may recognize it or not. But we neither one of us will recognize it unless we train our mind. I don't think. I mean, it's, it's, there have been a few spontaneous realizers. Ramana Maharshi was one. Byron Katie is another one. Um, Susan Seagal is another one who was waiting for a bus and suddenly her personal identity just dropped away. But there was nothing in her consciousness that helped her deal with that. So therefore, it was terrifying to her. And she, instead of going to a meditation teacher, which she had had a little bit of meditation practice, not much, instead of going to that person, she didn't really trust that, so she went to other places she thought would be more dependable, like psychiatrists. Not a good idea. Not against them, but I'm saying if that happens to you, you need to talk to somebody who's been looking at their mind for a long time, consistently, over and over and over again. Someone who speaks out of what they're looking at, not about, not out of what they think, because as I said originally, thoughts cloud your perception. But if the thoughts uh, naturally fall to the side because they're not, they're, the conditionality of the thought, the dependent origination of the thought, does not, it's not required. The reason thoughts get in the way is because of fear. We're, we get afraid and we start thinking, what should I do, what should I do? Well, I would tell you right now, don't do anything. Sit there and receive so you can see clearly what it is that's scaring you. Because if you start to panic about it, all you do is make the whole thing more blurry. If, you're, if you feel threatened by anything, uh, this is the very nature of confusion, is fear, threatened. This is why I said earlier, someone who is, who's, has no fear at all, might even say, oh, I'm not afraid of anything. It's because you're, pre you're prejudiced. You're hiding behind your thoughts, your beliefs, your opinions, your ideas, and your stupidity, basically. If someone says they're afraid, the downside of it is the fear, but the upside of it is they probably aren't blocking out that stuff that's coming up that's threatening their identity. And, and what is afraid is the imaginary self. There is not an imaginary self. There is no such thing. If you realize your true nature, you're fearless. Nothing can, nothing can scare you. It doesn't mean you won't run away from a polar bear. I'm not saying you're stupid, but you're just not, you're not frightened by anything. Yes. What's so scary with the thoughts cover up? Uh, several ways that it can show up, and one of the ways is that is that there's no protection for the imaginary self. The self is uh, the belief in the self is identified with a body, body mind complex called me, and we believe this is real. And even though it's only going to be here for you know less than a century, more than likely, sometimes people go over that line. But so what? Uh, but you can't go on for this. This anything that arises goes away. But who you actually are, your true identity, which is which, which you can find out what that is in this lifetime. If you don't find out who that is, then that identifies with the body, and then there's fear of death. But to one who is liberated, who sees who, who they are, they're not afraid of death. 
death is a, um, it, it doesn't happen to, to who you actually are. Who you actually are cannot die because it is unborn. It's, it doesn't, it does not appear like the sky, the clouds appear, but the sky is just empty and who you actually are is more like the sky. Is that helpful? That's not something you believe in. You don't believe you're like the sky. You don't believe that you're just open space. There, there is no belief there. How do you connect to your intuition? Watch your thoughts and do it in a very systematic, uh, consistent, repetitive way. I'm very biased, so I'm not saying there isn't another way, but the only way I know of is sit down, hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture because the body mind are two, not two different things. They're just separated, just like your ears are two different things, your eyes are two different things. They're separated somewhat, but they're the same in a sense. You sit down, hold still, sit symmetrical, and watch the movement of the mind. Watch the thoughts come and go. Don't interfere. Don't accept them. Don't reject them. And don't look away. And what that involves is a long process of watching how you can't quite accomplish that. You just spontaneously grasp, spontaneously push. Grasp is passion. Push is aggression. And spontaneously distract yourself into a daydream, which is uh, ignorance. There's nothing to correct, but there's a whole lot to see. And you can do that. You may need the help of a, a Buddhist uh, orientation, but you could also just you have a wall in your house, don't you? You have a cushion. You meditate. I try. Well, start. Just return. You don't have to accomplish it. You just have to return to it. Return, 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 return to the cushion. Sit down, hold still. Eyes open. Look at it. Don't close your eyes. Closing your eyes, you might as well go take a nap. Did I say might as well? Because I meant to say might as well. Instead, <laughs> I slurred the words. Why? Because I'm lazy. <laughs> Mush talk. Painful to say that and then realize you, you just spoke. Need some more elocution practice. That would be another form here. Would you all like that? Nobody wants to. Kumpurumpate introduced that once in the 70s to the Sangha. I think some people jumped right on that because they really pronounced things well. Other people <laughs> shied away because they knew they all were, all talked like they had a mouthful of a chicken salad. <laughs> <laughs> Further questions? Yes. A uh, question from Navid in Iran. Yes, Navid. Good Can to hear from you. Can thoughts exist without having a conversation with them? When I don't talk to my thoughts, they seem to disintegrate, and it's hard to receive them completely as they become incomprehensible. Yes, as Trangu Rinpoche, Trangu Rinpoche said, uh, if you do nothing to thoughts, they will do nothing to you. So just receive them. But no matter what, the, the content is not so important. It's, it's the, what we do with the thought energy that comes in terms of concepts. So it sounds to me like just uh, sit a lot. So if you're sitting for uh, an hour a day, sit for two hours a day. The more you can sit down and hold still, it's like sharpening a knife. You're constantly chopping things, thinking, and you never sharp, sharpen that blade. And this metaphor only goes so far. You can pick it apart if you want to. But if you bring it back away from the 
vegetables or whatever you're chopping back to the sharpening stone. That's very boring for the awareness to sit down and sharpen, 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 sharpen. But then when you go back to the into the thinking process, not that you're not thinking while you're sharpening, probably are more more clarity, and that more, more clarity may show up as more confusion because you're more clear about the confusion, not comfortable. Do it anyway. You can do it. And that being said, Navid, how are things in Iran? Have they settled down over there at all, or is it still? No, it might take a minute. Well, of course, it's in Iran. So. <laughs> <laughs> might, might run into a pigeon or something. <laughs> Not that funny. <laughs> You're laughing at somebody else's joke. Yeah. While we're waiting for Navid, which he will probably come back in a minute. Wulong. Wulong bowing. Earlier you said um, about content, that content is not the thing, but the but diff- the difficulty. When you are having conversations where the content is difficult, are you saying to shift the awareness to the difficulty of the conversation rather than the content? I wouldn't do anything with it. Just the main word there is receive. Just let it come and it will sort itself out. You know, we don't need to go in there with some kind of a selectivity about, well, I need to receive this, but not that, but I need to receive the, yeah, don't, don't do anything with it. You're, you're doing fine. Just receive. It will, it will sort itself out. Uh, and because it's so very complicated, we can't go in and think our way into some kind of deeper understanding. Wulong bowing, when I see that I am fixated on the content to the point where it's not letting me include other, yes. how do I work with that? Again, it's just awareness. Because you, you, you really cannot know all the, all the, to break it down a little bit, you can't know the quality, the dynamics, the infrastructure of the dependent origination that is behind that. All you're seeing is the leading edge. You're not seeing the roots, which could, which could go back centuries. Not kidding you. And I'm saying, don't believe me. I'm just saying the way it looks here. The time is, uh, uh, is not of the essence. There, there is no time. Time is a relative construct that we've just kind of invented to keep track of stuff. And people think it's somehow a fact, not a fact. We've all, all noticed, I'm sure, somewhat the, the subjectivity of time. If you don't have a clock, you ask 10 people what time it is, everybody says it's, what, 8 o'clock. I just said that to see if you're listening. <laughs> so I'm just saying that we're a subjectivity. Sometimes people say, uh, people are going into retreat, you go into retreat for uh, several weeks or a month or something like that, and time is so, gets so distorted in that, that very focused area where you're just doing sitting meditation for hours and hours every day. Sometimes the hour seems very long, sometimes the hours seem very short. So on, but there's nothing to do other than what you've said. Uh, you, you're already receiving it. Uh, if I were to say anything in by way of do this, uh, it would be sit more. I don't think you can sit too much. Maybe in some cases, 
if someone is uh, extremely um, if they're sitting meditation and their style is one to close down with concepts, then then they they might sitting meditation might be some kind of a relief. They might be going into some kind of a jhana state. I'm not saying they're in in the jhana state, but they're in some kind of a, a state that is closed off. That's very has a very sectional quality. They're just in that little little billet or that little cubby of, of consciousness. That can be done. I don't don't recommend it, and also not against it. If you want to do that, go ahead. Thank it's, you. you know, it's taught all over the place. Navid has a response. Yes. He says things are still the same. I don't know when it will end up. Thank you, Navid. <clears throat> no, it's, there's no way. I'm just uh, amazed and. I'm grateful that we can all still talk with you, Navid, and also people in other uh, parts of the world. So far, until the power, what powers that be, they call it, come in and decide that they want to just shut everything down. Yeah, Elon Musk is going to start with Twitter. <laughs> and let every, no, no matter what you want to say, you can just say whatever you want, I guess. Is that what it sounds like to you? We'll see what he does. He might be smarter than that. Well, okay. So uh, once you do realize your true identity and kind of have this dissociation, this ego self. No, wait, wait. What are you saying? So is this a question or a statement? It's it's going to turn into a question. Oh, say it's a preamble. Two part. <laughs> I like those. <laughs> so um, the question is: once you do realize your true self and dissociate with this kind of like body ego, can you just Come back for fun. <laughs> so you want it both ways. <laughs> uh, uh, come back for fun. Let me say it this way. Uh, you don't have to come back for fun because it is fun. I mean, it is. It's entertaining, and you're you're liberated. So you're not dealing. You're not spending time wrestling around with the chains of your mind, with the, the prison of your own. Uh, Confused, confusion about the uh, confused emotions, confused about the nature of what this is. So you're no longer, you know, wasting a lot of time struggling with things. It's just uh, time isn't even there to waste anyway. But yeah, you actually have a sense of humor about what's happening. This doesn't mean you're making light of everything and you're making fun of everything. You're a joke because you're also very aware of all the suffering in the world. Not only the suffering in the room you're in, but the suffering at a distance. So you, you and you receive that also. But that doesn't mean that you, you don't have a, I would say, a sense of humor about it. So you can still watch Netflix. If you find anything good on there, you have to look for Sometimes the whole hour used up just cooking. <laughs> on here. Hey. I'm going over to Prime and see if there's anything. Prime is there, then and Hulu's Hulu's pulling you into their mind trap, of wanting you to watch uh, the Brothers Karamazov. No, wait a minute. What is it? Uh, uh, what is that movie on Hulu that people wouldn't even go to Hulu if Hulu weren't for that movie? You have to go into this. Do you guys want to go into this? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you 
Of course, you don't have to take time off. It's uh, everything is more, much more workable if you're clear about what this is. And yes, is it ultimately serious? Like, can you come down and mess around, or is there mm -hmm. like consequences for having too much fun with it? I've had a question like that. You must be really kicking up your heels <laughs> and feeling nervous about it. Like, maybe I'm having too much fun. No, I wouldn't worry about it. No, it would be fine. Don't believe me, but you could consider it. There's no, the consequences are, are pretty powerful if you cover up, if you don't, if you just refuse to look at it, especially if you're functioning in a way where you're, um, creating out of your own, trying to cover up your own suffering, you're, you cover up the, you, you create more suffering for others, either right in your family or uh, in your politics or whatever happens to be going on. I don't know if I got to what you were saying, but my basic response would be, I, I don't think that's to be worried about. You can still have fun. I'm glad. Yes. How might, um, how might you compare like uh, reception to curiosity? It's very similar. Curiosity, there's, there's a six, uh, traditionally it's talked about the consciousness, uh, the ego mind moves through different realms in the human form, uh, to put it kind of simplistically. But it's uh, the, the God realm where everything is great, nothing is, you know, I have perfect health, uh, perfect children, and I'm just happy as can be. And still, I'm able to ignore all the suffering in the world because I'm feeling so good. Well, the heaven realm, it's a, it's a state of mind. And then there's a jealous God realm of those people who are trying to get to the heaven realm. Although I, I think of those as the people on ladders racing to the top of whatever. And uh, like the corporate world is like that. A lot of uh, things like that going on there. And then just below that, the three higher realms is the human realm, which is filled with curiosity. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of suffering there. A lot of difficulty, but it's basically a, a curious area where there's less grasping for um, you know, competition kind of thing, and less uh, making a nice nest uh, in a penthouse somewhere where you're all blissed out. And uh, and then the lower ones below that are the the animal realm, where it's not an animal so much as just doing kind of what an animal does, just ignoring the birds and the trees because we're snuffing along in the dirt like a pig would do, ignoring. And then the, the hungry ghost realm is uh, the one where we're uh, so tied up in some particular craving or greed to get something, and we'll, we don't care who, who it puts out or what trouble it causes to anybody. That's what we want, and we're going to go after it no matter what. So that kind of greed or lust or craving. And then the, the lowest of the six realms is the hell realm. These are just states of mind and where everything, everyone is at war and, and people start to take on the form of uh, what's traditionally called demons or just people who are just wanting to fight and win and kill. So that state of mind. If you if if you get really really mad, you actually get into that kind of a realm. You might not stay there. And if you get something really great happening to you, like you win the lottery, or you heard that you win the lottery, and, you know, and you, you 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 go and go to cash it, and then so you're in the heaven realm. I mean, you won the lottery, man. I mean, 
millions of dollars. So you're getting, you're always spending that in your mind in your heaven realm. And then you've come to find your one number off. You go immediately into hell. Your state of mind, you don't go into hell, but you're, you're like, you're upset, mad, you know, depressed or whatever. Does it make some sense? Curiosity in the human realm. It's also said, I'll say one more thing, and then I'll, I'll respond to whatever else you have. It's, it has been said that even though the Buddha is teaching in all of these realms or an enlightened consciousness is teaching in these realms and trying to reach those beings who are trapped in those realms, in the, it's been said that the, the human realm is the, really the only one that you can really hear, although they're trying everywhere. But it's the only one you can hear because you have enough curiosity that you might just like come to a meeting like this. You can't be in the jealous God realm. Uh, or any of the realms, and uh, say if uh, who, who, which one of you organized this? Uh, you? I helped coordinate it. Yeah. So did you offer this to anyone else? This trip? Yeah. Well, I advertised it all over again. Okay. <laughs> so we've got four people here. That shows you. Yeah. That shows you. Um, you say this is happening. You have a little bit of interest. That just tells me, tells you, tells all of us that you. You have a state of curiosity, you're, you're in a human realm, you have that kind of, well, we'll check this out, we'll see what they're up to. Whereas there are other people that might have read that and thought, I'm not going to there worshiping idols, or they're Muslims, or they're, which wouldn't be such a bad thing, most Muslims are not so bad, but uh, they, they people come to preconceptions about it, or fear, yeah, that's, got to look out going over there. We don't want to look into that. They don't even give their own intelligence enough uh, open, it's not open enough to even check anything out or look at anything. So curiosity. More? Um, is, would you, would there, is there still like, is there any different, um, is there any difference between, would you say, curiosity from like the eyes of an adult and the curiosity from the eyes of a child? Hmm. I think it can get complicated, but I would say that some adults have never lost their curiosity. Curiosity. They're, they're always looking, exploring, looking into everything. Some people just waste a lot of time uh, in bookstores. <laughs> you know, what, what's that about? What is this? What does this mean? And so that's uh, yeah, you're guilty. <laughs> and so, so it's just, a, and it's a nice, uh, it's a nice thing to be curious. And so that might never lose that. Uh, and the curiosity, and it's very much like the curiosity of a child. So very similar. The curiosity of an adult is more sophisticated, more selective, whereas a child just is nosy about everything. Literally nosy. <laughs> Are there more questions on uh, on Zoom? Can maybe take another one before we close. Anyone out there? At forty nine. People on there or 49 windows. So, Cindy, why don't you ask me, Cindy H., why don't you ask me a question? Come on. Not gonna. Okay. Kevin, Kevin usually does what I say. Kevin, <laughs> ask me a question. Kevin Bowling, I was curious about intuition, and you had mentioned that sitting. You, in regard to the question about intuition, you suggested sitting a lot. Does sitting a lot strengthen intuition or does it cause us to see through what we think intuition is, Bowie? 
Oh, pretty good. I, I think there's a lot going in that, on in that area. The more we sit, the, the less we actually know. We're, we, we are freeing ourselves from what we know without getting rid of it. You don't have to, nothing has to leave the car. It just has to stop trying to drive. So awareness needs to, needs to determine how we're going to move about. And that awareness means that whatever rises in front of us in terms of dependent origination, uh, excuse me, we're not obeying orders, but we're considering, we're considering what's happening. And so intuition is a word that kind of covers a lot of area, but um, you know, it's a, I've never really been clear on, on on how to really use the word intuition. I might I might use it occasionally. It's just that that to be free from what you know doesn't mean to get rid of the knowledge and the information. It means that you're no longer no longer trapped by knowledge in such a way that you can't you can't look beyond that and you can't look more deeply into uh, your mind stream. Am I close to what you were looking? Yes. Sometimes when I'm working on a creative project, I feel being pulled in a particular area that I would probably call intuition. But I'm wondering, what is there a difference in the quality of the pulling of, say, intuition or one's karma versus like habit energy, like uh, addiction, bowing? Oh, I... I think the habit, habit energy, especially if it's driven by something that is addiction, whether it's chemical addiction or, or the, the habituation to something that's by doing a particular thing, it tends to soften up our relationship to, to those aspects of life that are challenging. Some people just are addicted to uh, a particular sport or just watching sports. Uh, they're just they're all about that. that. Their whole life is about eating, sleeping going to work the nine to five maybe, and then getting as much sports as they can. It's like a, a substitute for all the open spaces that they, they need to fill with something. Whereas a meditation, you are, it's sometimes been called a voluntary suffering. You deliberately go to the wall because you are curious about the nature of your mind, the nature of reality. You're no longer believing in anything or the beliefs you had are starting to get weak and and you need to either you need to go to somebody who re reinforces those, uh, whether it's a theistic orientation or something. So we go to church or we go to whatever it may be. And in this situation, um, we're reinforcing by coming to the monastery or coming to the temple. We're reinforcing that um, that understanding and that uh, instruction and that teaching that says train your mind, find out you find out who you are. The you're not going to be. Uh, uh, no uh, beliefs won't be promoted here, so you're so you're kind of uh, um, left with uh, whatever aspect of the teaching t tends to touch you in a way that that helps you to return to the wall because it's not easy to come in and sit down in front of a wall and sit still and just do nothing all day long. That's not easy to do, and, and, and to ego it makes no sense. Even though the ego mind will try to get on board with that, the ego wants to attain enlightenment too. And it, it won't be able to do that. Did I get anywhere near what you're asking about? Kevin Bowing. Yes, I think what I'm also curious about is, as you say, don't do anything unless you have to. Sometimes you've characterized it 
that it feels like you're being pulled in a direction. Yes. Just wondering what the nuance is between the pulling of awareness and the pulling of unconscious habituation bowing. Hmm. Well, awareness won't pull. I don't think apparent awareness is just receiving. So there, there, the dynamics that are happening in the consciousness are, are difficult, even though it's been done classical structures of uh, Abhidharma material uh, goes into great detail about sp- specific, this, 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 about the structure of consciousness. I don't know if I go in and start reading that, I kind of get lost in those things. I, I think there's probably truth in there for people who have a better word processor than I do in my, mainstream um but i i'm i'm thinking that if you just uh observe you just receive and train yourself so that uh, as time goes on you're you're better and better uh, and not that there's an improvement quality showing up in the mind that you'll be able to say i'm doing better but i think you will do do be more thorough in what you're receiving with less and less producing on top of it in other words you receive something as it is there's more of a willingness to not know what in the hell you're receiving instead of continually jumping on it with your analysis, your opinions, your ideas, your judgments, and everything else with claws and hooks that keeps you some artificial being protected from the unknown. In other words, you're willing to have the unknown. You're willing to step into the unknown. You're willing to step into your own forest, your own woods, and do this yourself. And you can do it. You do this yourself it's, you're not join, you're, you're joining a community a community in the sense of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, but it, it doesn't protect you particularly from the, your own uh, confusion or disturbance that's going on on in your own mind stream that, that you need to see. You're you're born to see this. The way that's how it looks over here. You're born to see this. Very good. We can close now. Thank you. Hi, I'm Senshu, one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan offers his wisdom tirelessly with complete love and devotion. If you value these teachings, Sokuzan, the mandala of Sokukoji, please consider donating at sokukoji.org. Thank you.